I'm Dustin Harder, and this is Keep On Cooking. Hello there, and welcome to Keep On Cooking, the podcast dedicated to plant-based cookbooks and learning more about the authors who wrote those cookbooks. I'm your host, Dustin Harder, and he's the grinder date that just won't leave. I'm here with my husband and producer of the podcast, Mr. Rossetti. How you doing, dear? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Just uh, kidding. We, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, no, that's not our story. That's not our story. Yeah, we, we did not we meet were on an sh- app. We were a showmance. A showmance that turned into a romance. All the power to people who do meet that on turned an into app. a bromance. Wherever, a bro, bro, bromance, brah. Brah. All the power to anybody, wherever you find love. We're happy for you. Uh, we're Just so... Love. What's that? Just live, love, laugh. L- live, <laughs> dance it, like nobody's watching put it on a put it on a piece of reclaimed wood live love laugh live love laugh dance like nobody's watching what's another one um prance like no one is watching love like you've never been hurt Ooh, that's not mine come on you come on what you know you've heard that no i've heard that oh, okay no but i was just saying oh reaching out to the lit listeners oh my goodness we have a return guest this week everybody <gasps> nava atlas with her new book uh plant powered protein 125 recipes for using today's amazing meat alternatives we just love nava she is a uh treasure in the world of the vegan cookbooks and other literary endeavors i'm going to give david the book right here it's a plant powered protein cookbook david give us a book flip flip to like two or three recipes in there nom 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 nom, nom. okay Ooh, barbecue flavored chicken melt baguettes i mean anything that involves a baguette is i mean yeah you're already starting we're here for the bread we're here for the bread nice like that looks so good too with jalapenos on top of it peanut satay skewers i'm here for a peanut satay skewer it's made with tofu it looks like right anything with peanuts Mm -hmm. peanuts are delicious yes all right are delicious delicious all right last one Ooh, Thai-inspired beefy salad. Beefy salad. Beefy salad. It's so funny. I was just uh, editing some of the stuff for this episode, and I, David and I were listening. We were like, oh, the word, the word beefy the episode, is said, episode is... Episode? Episode is... Beefy. 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 It's a beefy episode. Uh, or maybe some would say beefy. Well, there... Beefy. Vegan beefy. I see it's a little what play you on words. did there. I don't know if I'm on board, but I see it. <laughs> We did, um... Please welcome to the stage, Vifi. <laughs> I don't know. That <laughs> would not be a drag queen name. That did not I mean, it work. could be. My, I mean, it'd have to be like Vifi O'Hare or something Ooh, like yes, that. Oh, yes. I love that. I'm looking for the one that you and I... We've made a few things out of here. The Mongolianish oh beef we've made a few Duh. times. Delicious. Um, but then there was an udon noodle. Here it is. Spicy udon noodle stir fry. I love this jam Yeah, right that was here. delicious. It is so tasty. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Well, y'all, Nava is the author umami. with the, all that umami. umami. Nava is the author of several, many, 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 many cookbooks. Many? She has already been a guest on our podcast, as we mentioned. You can check out episode 17 titled Vegan on a Budget, where we discuss her book of the same title, Vegan on a Budget. And she's our first return guest, uh, which is uh, such a treat. Uh, some of her other books include Five Ingredient Vegan, Wild About Greens, Vegan Holiday Kitchen, and Vegan Soups and Hearty Stews for All Seasons. Uh, Navin uh, also creates 
visual books on women's issues and runs two websites, uh, one of them at navaatlas.com, and the other one is literaryladiesguide.com. Yes, she is a busy, busy woman and a woman of many accomplishments. We adore her and really encourage you to go back and listen to that episode 17. She knows quick, easy, delicious, and affordable food, and we are here for that for Mm -hmm. sure. Uh, Not only that, she knows vegan protein. So here she is to chat about her new book, Plant Powered Protein, 125 Recipes for Using Today's Amazing Meat Alternatives. It's Nava Atlas. And she's back, Nava Atlas, author of Plant Powered Protein, 125 Recipes for Using Today's Amazing Meat Alternatives, and so many more books. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. We had a major snowstorm. I think it's still snowstorming. You you did. You? I'm I'm doing great. I'm I'm. We did not have a snowstorm here in Atlanta, but it, uh, I'm looking at pictures of everyone I know who's up north there, and uh, I'm actually missing the snow. I know the days to follow. It won't be so pleasant, but I do love watching snowfall in like a snowed in day. Are you the kind of person who likes that? Well, I like being inside, so yeah. <laughs> I was come. I'm I'm the rugged indoorsy type. Do you have a fireplace? We do. You, we did you light do. it up? Not today or yesterday, but maybe maybe this evening. Yeah, get a little cozy. Get a little cozy. Well, mm-hmm. we're gonna jump right into your icebreaker question for this episode. Here, uh, it's been studied that those who laugh have a longer lifespan. They're more productive at work, and they make better leaders. I feel like everyone could use a good laugh right now. So, I wanted to ask you, what is a movie that you love that makes you laugh a lot? Well, the first thing that came to mind is Shrek. Yes. Four of them. I'm really a Shrek nerd. I probably watched each one of them countless times, but I think my favorite is still the first one. And I remember seeing it at the movies. My kids were much younger at the time. I don't remember what year it was, but the, it was such a surprise. It was so, un, everything about the story was so unexpected. And yeah, it was really very funny. I love that. David and I just put little hands up like victory hands in the air. Uh, we, we love that answer. That's fantastic. David's a big Shrek fan too. Um, oh, mine are, I love a, a good female comedy lead. So a couple of mine are Drop Dead Gorgeous, Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion, and uh, Legally Blonde. Of course, I love Legally Blonde. Yeah, Legally Blonde. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I would say that one's not haha funny but I, I i that's definitely a classic yes it keeps a smile one. on my face i should mm-hmm. say i'm gonna kind of date this podcast because i know it's going to be broadcast later but you know today is groundhog day that we're it sure is this. it sure is and so that is such a classic movie and i feel like we're all living groundhog day being you know forced to be inside and trying to make the best of each day like he does and when he lives the same day over and over you and i feel like people are really using that you know concept now groundhog day is that feeling of oh this day is just the same as yesterday absolutely you could not be more correct on that that's a, a good call and today is groundhog day it's okay to date it that's when we're doing this uh and we had you on for speaking of things doing doing things over again we had you on for episode 17 already we talked about your last book uh vegan on a budget great topic because everyone can certainly get on board with uh shopping vegan on a budget or cooking vegan on a budget and as i've mentioned already in the intro nava is a 
a cookbook and literary goddess, y'all. So you should definitely check out episode 17, where we chat in depth about vegan on a budget, 125 healthy, wallet-friendly, plant-based recipes. And of course, we dig into Nava's history a little more and get to know her some. So go listen to that and then come back here for more because right now, Nava, we're going to chat protein. I'm ready. You're ready. It's your newest contribution to the cookbook landscape. It's plant-powered protein, 125 recipes for using today's amazing meat alternatives. Which number book does this make in your catalog? How many cookbooks have you written? You know, that's always a little bit of a tricky question because I've revised and updated books. That's right, yes. Sometimes they've gone from vegetarian to vegan. So is that a whole new book? Does it count? Let's just say 15 I love it. And it could actually little bit more probably like 16 17 perhaps 18 maybe could be yeah. and when you add in the other books we can say 20 ish but you know i've been doing this all of my adult life so it's like a book every other year so it's and I'm, like i'm extraordinarily prolific i'm just consistent sure <laughs> consistently putting out quality material and i love that this title for this book it's very clear on what it is of we, we've reached a time where there is a whole food plant-based crowd and a vegan crowd. And then there's those of us, I think I can include you in this with myself, where we do a mixture of it all, whole plant-based foods and meat alternatives, cheese alternatives from time to time. What made you want to write a book focused on meat alternatives and protein? Well, at the beginning of 2019, there was a lot of talk about this. Uh, the, uh, like There was uh, the... Um, the um, IPO of Beyond was coming up. So it was in the news a lot about the plant-based meat alternatives. And I thought, you know, if the the goal is to get people to eat less meat and therefore kill less animals, to be really very honest about sure. it, then I would be really open to exploring this subject matter. I never really felt a huge need to uh, have these products, but as I was thinking about it, I thought, well, you know, I, I do this more than I admit. Like I had, I've had this, um, my tofuna salad, for example, is the recipe I make probably the most in my life. It doesn't taste like tuna salad really, but it is kind of a, an analog. And I've made a mock chicken soup, um, all, you know, all kinds of things, you know, different kind of loaves that kind of mimic meat sure. a little bit. I'm a very good seitan maker. And as you know, you know, seitan is very meaty. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But the point was, well, here, here's where, where I really made the decision. I saw an article in the New York Times about Bruce Friedrich. He was with, with PETA for a long time. And he was the kind of person who would throw paint at models who were wearing right, fur, right. red paint. Then he came to the realization that if his goal was to get people to not use animals or not eat animals, that strategy was just not working. Mm -hmm. So instead, he founded the Good Food Institute, which he still runs today, which is all about doing research and development for meat-like products that are made from plants. And he realized that that really was working. Right. When you give people something, you know, if you give them a really good burger, you know, most people are not going to really care mm -hmm. it comes for plants or animals. Sure. So he found that that strategy was really working very well. And at the same time, because I think this article came out in fe February, March 2019, was the all the talk about the IPO of Beyond. 
And then Impossible Burger was also in the news a lot. And I thought, well, that's also my strategy. I would like people to use animals less. And if this is what works, then I want to go for it. That's great. So that's how this, this uh, idea came about. I'm, I'm all on board with that. That makes all the sense. I figure any way to, um, you know, offer another option that helps people just sort of, I think people feel intimidated so easily or that you're taking something away. So providing something like this, a cookbook like this, that really uh, highlights the options that are available and different ways to use them is such a gift to people who are kind of like, oh, if I had that and I knew how to do that, I, I wouldn't eat the burger. I would do this or I would use that kind of sausage. So this is a really really, really great way to sort of put that in people's hands. And Nava, I must ask you, where do you get your protein? Don't even answer that. Don't even answer that. You know, it's interesting, though, because a lot of people, it's still the question people ask. It it is. Veganism, they, you know, that's the first thing that comes to their mind. And of course, I used to roll my eyes and get irritated. (laughs) And I thought, no, but why they're asking they're not asking me out of any kind of hostility mm-hmm. they really want to know so i answer them politely and they learn and you know it's not complicated i tell them about all the foods that have protein but it does still, still seem to be the question that's asked asked a lot and what you were saying before this book i really wanted to formulate as kind of a bridge for people who do have an omnivore diet, and they're really trying to cross over and having trouble with, oh, but you know, I can't have this and that. This answers that question, no excuses, you can still have pretty much everything. I mean, this book even has the plant based shrimp in it. Yes, there's almost nothing now that you can't have in a plant based version. I love that. I love that. And Mm -hmm. we're we're going to dive into the book now to find out the wide variety of ways to get plant-powered protein. You have a great intro here where you address the plant-based protein movement, environmental concerns, and climate change, compassion for animals, and of course, the question, where do you get your protein? There's also a section that covers ingredients. And while I'm not going to ask you where you get your protein, I am curious, do you have, do you personally have a favorite vegan protein, like one that you turn to more often than not? My favorite is still Land spongy pro uh, tofu. Tofu, sure. <laughs> I just feel like you can do so much with I it. Agree. It's such a chameleon. I just love it. You know, so we go through. You know, not we don't go crazy with it, but I would say it's a staple in the fridge. Well, and ours too. And I loved what I love about tofu. I found is just a simple bake of tofu, like tossing it in the oven while I kind of like do everything else. Get like a nice like bowl of veggies ready or something and grains, and then toss some tofu on it. It's become one of our favorite things in in the house to sort of toss together quickly. Uh, and when we when we talk about base proteins, uh, we're talking things like seitan, tempeh, tofu. What are what are main sources? Tell everyone listening what are some main sources of proteins for vegans since we are here well you just you just i call that the protein trio you just mentioned and then of course there's beans and i think that you know especially now during during the pandemic i think people kind of really fell back in love with beans sure they're so wonderful and non-controversial and very few people are allergic to them. So it's just a, a very democratic food. Non-controversial. And, I never thought of that, but you're so, you're um, so correct. Right. And you can do, and you know, this book, I, I was going to say, I just want to make sure that people know that even though this is an introduction to the kind of the new kinds of plant-based proteins, almost every recipe gives an option for using one of the traditional types of protein, tofu, tempeh, seitan, uh, baked tofu. There's a lot of vegetables in this. So again, it's kind of a bridge. It's kind of going from some of the foods that are 
associated with a standard American diet, but making them much healthier by using a lot of veggies. <clears throat> Use plenty of beans in this book as well. But I know, you know, I forgot the question you originally oh, asked. We're talking about the different <laughs> kinds of uh, uh, proteins for vegans. And that's exactly right. You're oh, nailing yeah. it. And one of the things I love, too, that you mentioned is you do give the variations on the side of each recipe, um, which I found super helpful. Um, we've made quite a few recipes from this book already that we'll get into as we move along. We're going to dig into the soups and stews chapter first, the first chapter. Right away, I want to make the beefy vegetable stew and Moroccan-style chicken stew uh, when I look at this. Can you tell I like stew. I mean, those are the things that popped out to me. Uh, oh, it's so good. It's so hearty and comforting to me. But what are a couple of your favorite soups or stews to cozy up with from this chapter? Oh, my favorite. I like Thai, thai flavors. Mm -hmm. They're really very easy to replicate at home, even without the more unusual ingredients. I know there's this um, lemongrass and this something that starts with a G, uh, galangal or something. Oh, but galangal, yeah. It. Yeah. It's very hard to get around here, but we use ginger and lime juice and it tastes really good. And, you know, the occasional coconut milk as well. I'm not a huge fan of coconut, but I love the Thai Tom Kha Gai soup. Mm -hmm. It's kind of light and you can use, um, you know, various, like you said, there's a, there's a choice of different kinds of protein to use in there, whether it's the plant-based chicken or uh, tofu, just, you know, our usual tofu. I also have at the very end of the book, a chapter, a small chapter on making your own plant-based protein. Yes. So I give tutorials on making your own seitan and a chicken style seitan, your own beefy crumbles made out of beans and walnuts and mushrooms it's really pretty amazing what you can do with with whole foods ingredients as well well it's so good and i was so glad you included that chapter to sort of like that's where this book covers all the bases when it comes to these proteins you give all those store-bought options and in, in some when it's called for it but then you have that last chapter as well and you do on the side sort of say or you can make it yourself you know go to this page and you can make all of these different sort of proteins yourself uh that are meat alternatives which i think is i think that's fun for people sometimes it's it's like that next level right after you right after you're a beginner in the vegan world it's you start to like sort of dip your toe in there and go oh i want to try and like make my own beef crumbles or make my own you know ham or whatever it is and uh people or my own bacon like people get really excited about that so i love that you had a chapter dedicated to this um yeah, at the end fun. and it's not, it's not that difficult either you know some of them are a little bit of a project but what better time to try these things than winter sure inside Especially this winter. And it's very rewarding when you finish it too. When you when you get done and you Absolutely. have this like meal in front of you that you can serve your friends or family with. Uh, speaking of those types of meals, we've got casseroles and skillets for chapter two. It's uh, skillets, casseroles, and other baked dishes. The chicken pot pie is a must make, obviously. And listen, mom's tuna noodle casserole. Uh, I made it the other night. I got really excited when I saw it. And it calls for vegan tuna. You give the swap out of tofu. If you can't find the store-bought vegan tuna, though there's some great um, options out there. Can't think of the company right now. I think it's called Great Catch. Um, oh, good Catch. Good Catch. Yeah. Good Catch. So there's a tuna out by a company called Good Catch. Uh, but if not, you can put in the tofu. I actually didn't have any tofu on hand. And I know this doesn't have much protein in it, but I used uh, some jackfruit uh, for it. Turned out great. Uh, I was so happy you did this recipe. This casserole was perfect and creamy, but light at the same time and definitely definitely filled my nostalgic want for my mom's tuna casserole. Uh, give us a couple recommendations from this book when it comes to casseroles and other baked dishes. 
Um, you know, there's one here. It, it's interesting because I think we tend to gravitate, and even I do, to the ones that have photos. And I, right. you know, may, most of them have photos, but not, you know, maybe 80%. So the 20% that don't get a little bit neglected. But I really like these um, creamed greens with corn mm. and, and bacon, and you put them on smashed potatoes. Nice. This, this is a really nice combination. But what the one that really stands out is the classic meatloaf. And what's interesting about that, I have a version of it on my website, and that is by far the biggest traffic getter. Really? I mean, 12, something like 10 to 12,000 people look at that every month. And I thought, well, maybe I'm saving a few animals here. So one woman commented that she made it for her husband and she just didn't tell him that it wasn't meat and he didn't ask. And everybody's happy. Amazing. (laughs) I love that. that. What's interesting is you can make this classic vegan meatloaf with Beyond, and it's delicious that way. But I also have an option for making it with red beans and walnuts. And it tastes almost the same because you're using the same tomato sauce and seasoning. So for people are more toward the, you know, the whole food side. They have that option. I like giving options well, always. Well, and it is, and I, that's one of the things I love about your books, but it, it is really interesting. You talk about the seasoning factor. That really is, when it comes to vegan cooking, we're talking about the seasoning. That's why things are so delicious. You know, you can either season something or under season something, but whether it's beans or the, you know, Beyond Burger you bought from the store, what's it's all going to come down to how you season it at the end of it, really, you know? Yeah, definitely. But and nowadays, there are also so many wonderful shortcuts and seasoning blends. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I found that interesting about the plant based meat alternatives is, unlike tofu, which I like in and of itself, but a lot of them are already flavored. So when I started this book, I bought all these rubs and spices, and I ended up just, you know, they're up on the shelf still. Sure. (laughs) They weren't they weren't needed. <laughs> Things already taste good. Right? Yeah, exactly. You're just elevating it a little more. Uh, and the next chapter, it's a chapter of my dreams here. Pasta chapter, protein powered pastas. I'm seeing classics in here with beautiful pictures to go to with it, like chicken tetrazzini pasta, classic ragu, pasta bolognese, beefy mushroom stroganoff, baked spaghetti pie, and chili mac. I always find it challenging when I do a pasta chapter. Um, because I end up like I want, I'm wanting to write an entire book about pasta. It's always so hard to narrow down the choices I want to put in a chapter when it comes to a pasta chapter. How did you decide what your must-share pasta dishes would be in this book? Well, I it was a little easier because I got to put some of my favorite noodle dishes in a different chapter. Oh, nice about the Asian foods. <laughs> so the the there's a chapter called from the Asian takeout menu, and that has my favorite noodle dishes. So I was able to differentiate a little bit. Um, you know, when I researched this, I wanted to find the classic recipes. What were the classic recipes? Are the classic recipes that always call for meat and then veganize them? So that's how I made the decision. And you mentioned the baked spaghetti pie. And that that's such a fun recipe. And I I wrote here, spaghetti pie is one of those classic dishes that might seem a bit silly on paper. And once you've made it, you realize that it really is silly. (laughs) (laughs) But even though it's really good. Delicious. You know, there's just so goofy about a spaghetti pie, but it's it's really good. It's very inexpensive. Everybody likes Uh it. 
you know, I don't have small children anymore, thank goodness. But <laughs> if they were, I'm sure that they would have really liked it. I love that. Yeah, so, my mom always used to make spaghetti pie when I was younger. So I definitely... Well, I never had it until I did this book. Oh, wow. No kidding. Yeah. Oh, so that's what came up in your research for the classics then. And how do, how do these pastas here lend themselves to the protein aspect then? Oh, well, you know, there's such classic recipes. I, I just turned to this one called, um, well, you know, of course, meatballs. Yes, And then yes. the pasta bolognese and then uh, stroganoff. All these things are, so, you know, I don't know if these are actually classics in Italy. There's certain recipes that have been really adapted, adapted and adopted into American cuisine. And you sort of wonder, are they really authentic or are they kind of, from our melting pot. Right. It's also very interesting. I mean, you could say this is a very global cookbook, but then you can also look at it and say it's really very quintessentially American. The Americanized version of the classics that we've sort of, you know, we the, the twist that it's been taken on them over the years and over time, I'm sure. Right. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure there's many things that we get in, let's say, you know, Asian restaurants that are really nothing like what they are in their home countries, for example. I'm sure. But you know, we, we accept them as classics here. And it really speaks to our melting pot and how valuable that is. Absolutely. Absolutely. And speaking of as well, that takes us right into chapter four. It's called From the Asian Takeout Menu. You were talking about you got to put some of your favorite uh, noodle recipes in this chapter. And I love this because ordering at traditional Asian restaurants as a vegan still can be challenging sometimes. There's a lot of fish oil and things, and you're not exactly sure uh, with some of the stuff you have to kind of ask and make sure and double check with a lot of things. And some of them also not the most healthy option, you know. Uh, so I do love making Asian. Uh, takeout food at home. We made the Mongolianish beef, and it was everything. David's swinging oh, his arms yeah. in the air. We were so happy with it. Um, and I got to tell you, Nava, the teriyaki sauce. We've made that recipe from the back of this book so many times. We actually there's a little jar of it in the fridge right now. We keep it on hand. It's a great little. There's lots of sauces in this book, um, and this one for us, it's become sort of a staple in our fridge. We keep it in there, and we just sort of if something needs a little pep, we just toss it on there. You know, if you're like sizzling up some tofu or anything on a weeknight, it's great to have there. Um, it's easy and uh, just it's it's like a little jar in our fridge to use anytime we want. So that's already a a multi-purpose use that we've found for one of the recipes in this book. Um, we also made the spicy udon noodle stir fry. I made it with Upton's Naturals chorizo. And so, so easy. The recipe is perfectly seasoned. You can see I was drawn to this chapter. What are a couple must-make recipes from this chapter for someone who's just getting the book? Well, you know, I'm often asked, what is your favorite recipe from, you know, the X, Y, and Z book, sure. whatever book I'm going to be talking about? So I always want to be prepared for that answer. <laughs> and I was thinking if I had to choose my absolute favorite from this book, it would be the um, Pad CU, mm. <clears throat> which is made with rice noodles, some sort of an, an Asian green, some carrots. And for this, I actually used, well, I I, I use, and then Hannah used, oh, I was going to say Hannah Kaminsky, Kaminsky, my wonderful photographer, used what's called... Um, they're called, what are they called? They're like to tofu cubes that are a little bit um, chewier and drier, and they're just delicious. The brand is Hodo. Huh. Have you heard of that? I feel it's like really I know. I feel like I'm seeing what you're talking about in my head, but I'm not sure exactly. Yeah, so it's a, they're called to tofu nuggets. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
I find them in the natural food store and I just, I love them in this particular recipe. I also discovered these really super wide rice noodles that are partially pre-cooked because mm. I don't know, I, I've just not mastered rice noodles. They, not the rice vermicelli, but the other kind that's in pad thai, they just fall apart on me always. <laughs> so pre-cooked, these pre-cooked really wide rice noodles just make the dish so authentic. And uh, so that's my absolute favorite. But I would say also, this is probably my favorite chapter, just because I, I just love the Asian food, Asian style food. I'm looking at this chicken and vegetable chow mein. Mm. It's also really good. And I think chow mein is is a quintessentially American recipe. Sure. And then the orange chicken and broccoli. And most of these are also just so quick. Ooh, to there's make. an orange chicken and broccoli in there. I got it. Yes, do there that. is a very, very easy. No, interestingly, what you said about the teriyaki sauce, and I'm so happy that you like it that much. Love it. And you probably noticed that in the recipes, I also give a choice. Let's say somebody doesn't have all the ingredients mm -hmm. or doesn't keep all those ingredients on hand. Well, it's okay to use some, you know, good quality store bought, store bought. I'm sorry, teriyaki sauce or any kind of sauce, if that's what your thing is. If you need to save some time, if You've just stopped homeschooling your child right. at six thirty, and you need to get to dinner right away. It's just really good to have those options. Yeah, it's great to have those options. I will say too, I hadn't made teriyaki sauce before, and I was like, "Oh, she says I can do the store bought." I was just going to do that because I was only out of ginger, um, and then I was like, "You know what? Grab the ginger and make the gosh darn sauce tonight." So I did, and I was so happy that I did. But I, it does bring me comfort when I'm reading someone's book and they they sort of say. They hold your hand for a second. And they're like, you can go either route. It's up to you. Whatever is going to make it easiest on you. I, I think that's always a, a great sort of gift to give the home cook because it's easy. A home cook gets stressed out, I think, when they're reading a book sometimes thinking, oh, well, I've got to do it this way or else it's not going to be this way and it, it has to be one way or the other. So it's great to sort of, you know, fill in that gray area and give them room to play a little bit um, and oh, options, right. of course. And right. speaking of playing, we've got sandwiches and such. I love playing with sandwiches and eating food with with my hands. Fill us in. What are some of the handheld delights our listeners will want to dig into from this chapter? You know, I probably like less bready things. And so I like the gyros because those are made with a pocketless pitas. So it's more about what's inside than the bread. Um, but yes, yeah, sandwiches are really fun. They just sometimes give me a little bit of a stomach ache. I don't know. They're, that's probably why I like the Asian food. It's lighter. <laughs> but but are, I have to say these are delicious and, you know, sandwiches make such a quick, easy meal. Sandwich, a little bit of a salad, and you're all done. I like the Rubenesque sandwiches, which are made with tempeh bacon or any other kind of plant-based bacon. And then there's sauerkraut on top and some melted cheese. Sauerkraut is really great for digestion and, you know, the probiotics and just everything, you know, it just puts together so many interesting and delicious flavors. Tell us about your tuna melts, because I know you've talked about tuna salad with me before, and I feel like this is a classic of yours. What do you make the tuna melts with? Oh, I think I give three different choices here. First of all, there's the six to eight ounces of plant-based tuna, or you can use baked tofu. And then I have yet another option. It's called crazy easy chickpea chicken, which is, you know, it's an analog also for tuna style dishes. And then you put it a tiny bit of dulse flakes, which is a sea vegetable. Yes. To give, if you want it to have that little bit of fishy flavor. 
So yeah, this this sort of is a cousin to mom's tuna noodle casserole. It really feels like something straight from the 1950s, but made healthier. I love that. Will you tell us two more about that chickpea chicken? That's in that that the DIY chapter you were talking about, it right? Is, and it probably is one of the easier. I was looking at it. Tell, tell our listeners what that is. I'll say, let's see, crazy easy chickpea chicken. So basically, you take the chickpeas and you know you rinse them and drain them and you mash them and then you saute them with a little bit of poultry seasoning and nutritional yeast until it's a little bit golden and tiny bit crispy. And then you mix a little bit of vegan mayo in there. It's just a really nice substitute for anything with chicken or even the tuna. It's something so easy and so inexpensive. And do you mash it so it comes out like a patty or is it there? They... Oh, not a patty, no, okay. you, but you do mash it, but you kind of just, it's almost like you're stir frying it okay. a little bit. Okay, okay. So, It gets like a flaky texture. Delicious. Well, I took us out of order, so I'll get us back on track here. We're at chapter six. It's called North and South of the Border. It's a nice variety in here. Like I spoke of tacos and burritos. There's an enchilada bake. And and for favorites for you from the North and South south of the Border chapter. I I just want to return a tiny bit to the sandwiches for just a minute. Yes, let's do it. Because you brought up uh, jackfruit before. Mm -hmm. It is touted as a meat substitute, but the tr- truth be told, it's not a protein. Right, right, so correct. People should, people should be aware of that. It has a really, you know, kind of a meaty texture. That's why. So what I do is jackfruit and protein sandwiches as I combine them with another protein. Oh. Like chicken or seitan or baked tofu, and you kind of, you know, maybe chop it up to match the jackfruit okay, and then it's all bathed in uh, I think, I believe a barbecue sauce. So it really melds together nicely. So you have the jackfruit texture, but you also get your protein. Clever, clever. And you're sort of, uh, that's probably cutting down on the calories a little bit too, if anyone's watching their cows, because the jackfruit is a little lower there than some of the other stuff. So that's for anyone watching that out. That's good too. So now we can go North and South. North and South, darling, take us there. Let's see. What do I like? Uh, you know, I like, um, oh, I just made this the other day, the easiest ever enchilada bake. Mm-hmm. Because you don't have to fuss with, you know, constructing individual tacos or burritos or something. Everything just gets layered right in the casserole dish. And it has the same flavor, but it's about half or 75% less work. So, yeah, I just revisited this recipe. It was really good. It's basically... You take tortillas and you um, cut them up or tear them up and you combine them with either Beyond or plant-based uh, chorizo. I never know how to pronounce it. That was good. Oh, another, another really good option for protein is just veggie burgers. They're really, you know, they're they're very flavorful. Like, for example, um, there's a like a California burger. So instead of the packaged plant-based meat if you need something like a ground i found veggie burgers are very very good sure another option that's a great option Uh, this this one has several options for the protein so either the beef style ground or crumbles like for example like beyond a plant-based chorizo or four beef style vegan burgers that crumble or the diy which is the tempeh and mushroom chorizo Mm. 
Very good because my husband really doesn't like tempeh, and I know if I can get him to eat it, <laughs> and, and it's a, su- a success. How do you feel about tempeh? I, I think I like it okay. okay. I, I like it probably if I would, were to rate tofu, tempeh, seitan, I probably would put tofu first, seitan second, tempeh third. It's definitely a useful food. Sure. But it is more of an acquired taste. Yeah, I really, really like it. I just developed a bowl that we released here at Arden's Garden and in in Atlanta and it's got tempeh on it and it's it's got it's getting a, a bit of a lukewarm response and I think it's because mm. of the tempeh. So I may have to revamp it and put some tofu in there not to scare people off so much. But um I thought I'd try and go for it. Uh the bowl's delicious. I just think people see tempeh and they're like, Well, I don't really know what that is. Um so I was I was curious, but it's uh I think I'm the same. Even though I, I actually love tempeh, I think my order is also tofu, seitan, and then tempeh as well. But yeah, it's probably the, the least versatile, mm-hmm. but it is still, it's a very good food. It's really high in protein. Yeah. I think it shines when you make you slice it really thinly and make kind of the tempeh bacon sure. out of it. I think that's best use. Or if you disguise it in one of the ground recipes with that are, that's really well seasoned. Well, I love that you said tempeh and mushroom chorizo. It's one of my favorite sort of, it's one of my favorite ones to sort of make a DIY meat out of is the tempeh. I think when you crumble it up and you season it yeah. just right and everything, it comes out so delicious. Uh, and we've got chapter seven, uh, which is uh, hot salads. But it's not just hot salads. It's cold and hot salads, right? Cold and hot. Right. And And usually in the same salad. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, because I was thinking thinking that when I saw the buffalo chicken salad, it caught my attention. I thought, ooh, that's kind of like cool and a little saucy, a little bit of a spice there. And it's got a homemade ranch dressing on it uh, that you can make in this book. And again, you know, it's great. You can make the ranch dressing that's in the book or people can go get it at the store uh, because there's lots of uh, vegan ranch dressings out there in the stores these days. What's a hot salad you love and a cold salad you love or perhaps one that's combined together? First, I want to give you a compliment first, or you can use Dustin's blue uh, vegan blue cheese dressing. Ooh! (laughs) Oh, have you had it? Did you try it? Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I I think... I think that was the, one of the recipes you had uh, contributed to my website. It was the the vegan blue cheese with um, maybe cauliflower. Yeah, with the cauliflower bites. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're making me blush. That makes me so happy. I'm so glad you like well, it. Well, you know, and it's perfect for, for people who watch football this coming weekend. That's the perfect oh, yeah. vegan snack. Oh, yeah. <laughs> The sports ball yeah. there. Yes, yes. I love that blue cheese. And, and this ranch dressing in this book looks delicious. What's the base of your ranch dressing? I think it's um what page are we on? I think it's white beans. You well, and that's why I want you to talk about that. You use white beans. Uh, oh yeah, you, you yes, use I beans guess. quite a few yeah. times in this book for some sauce base, bases, which I'm very attracted to. That it's because you're using a a very a, a nutritionally packed yes. food as a base for something, and it's getting us past the sort of cashew with that tuna noodle casserole we talked about earlier. You use uh, cannellini beans in it for the base, and I loved that. You know, I like the cashew-based sauces, but let's face it, raw cashews are insanely expensive. Sure. You sometimes need a lot of them. And then also, very few people are allergic to beans, whereas a lot of people are allergic to tree nuts. So there's that, too. So, uh, yeah, the vegan ranch is based on cannellini or great northern beans, which are kind of the large white beans, unsweetened plant-based milk, 
vegan mayo, lemon juice, and then some you know, a little vinegar and some seasonings. It just could not be easier. That sounds delicious. Um, I love trying yeah, different ranch dressings, so I can't wait. I was at first, I thought, oh, that's too bad. I won't be able to have a salad chapter. But then I remembered, oh, we're in America where everything has meat in it. Oh, yeah, where all the salads have meat in it. Yes, that's so true. So indeed, I, you know, researched. And again, there's some classics here like cop salad. That's been around for a very long time. I think since the 1930s. So cob salad normally has two different kinds of meat, chicken and bacon. So of course we know now, you know, plant-based chicken, plant-based bacon. It's, um, I've made this a few times. I really do like the cob salad. It's so colorful and it just, all you really need is with it is really either bread or nothing. Sure. It's a meal in and of itself or just pair it up with a very simple soup, something like that. Yeah, for sure. And I was going to say, I really want to give a special, special shout out to Hannah Kaminsky, who is the age of my kids, but I've been working with her for such a long time. She started this being, you know, in the vegan business when she was in high school. And she's just so talented. Oh, I love that. And this is your photographer, right? You've said, you've said the name yeah. once before, but she definitely deserves some props. The photos in this book are fantastic. They really are. I feel like she really pulled out all the stops for this one. And you can really almost eat the food right off the pages. It's so, it's good. so so vivid. Yeah. yeah the so, colors are great. The colors really pop in this book. Well, I think that's, well, first of all, it's her and it's also a good printing job as well. And we work mostly remotely. You know, I was, I live in New York state and at the time she was living in California sure. and we started to joke that we just share a part of our brain because <laughs> I would send her a recipe and, and she's so good. She's also a cook. Oh, that's great. So she, she has beautiful props and styling and, you know, she's a, has a very good touch with the cooking. And so I feel like the photos really make the book. It's, it's fan- and it's also a beautiful hardcover book, everyone listening. It's a beautiful, full of full color, full page, colorful pictures and hardcover. It really is a great, great book uh, and a great one to look at as well. And we've got, we, we said the Cobb salad for, I'm going to consider that a cold salad, even though the bacon and the chicken might be that's warm a, when yes, you put it on. But that's a cold salad. What's a hot salad that you love? Well, I mean, to what, when I say a hot salad, it's usually combined with cool sure. ingredients. So let's see, one of them would be, um, you know, where, oh, the layered taco salad. Mm. Yes. And that's really good. And again, so easy. You make uh, the hot layer is plant-based ground combined with beans and you layered it, you layer it then with tortillas and the cool lettuce and tomatoes. And it's topped with some sort of a cool dressing. I just really like, especially in the winter when we're a little lazy about eating enough salad. Sure. It really helps when there's a warm component to it. I couldn't agree more mm-hmm. with that. A nice, like, mm-hmm. hearty, warm component, too. And everybody loves a taco salad. Yeah, absolutely. It's good for lunch or dinner. Mm-hmm. We're all stuck at home for lunches. So, and then oh, I had a party once and I made this when I was testing this book. I made a bunch of things, but the Thai inspired beefy salad, that's also a hot and cool one. That was the hit of the day. I wasn't expecting that, but people just breathed this one in. It was a little surprise, so this, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so it has, it has cilantro and mint and cucumber oh, wow. and lime and tomatoes and then strips of hot, kind of like beefy strips Delicious. mingled in with all the cool ingredients. So 
that was nice. Sounds very satisfying, very, very satiating. Very much so. And when it comes to satiating, the breakfast and brunch chapter has me going. It's a category I'm always on board with. And they're a bit of a challenge. I would say that, you know, the, the two meats people have for bre- mm. breakfast and brunch seem to hear be again chorizo and then bacon, of course, uh-huh. and sausage type of things. And then the one really fun one we did was the uh shrimp and grits oh oh weird that's a real i know that's i think a real southern Uh special yep shrimp and grits. so what do you make your shrimp out of in this book oh i i open the package and take out the (laughs) plant-based i thought you said earlier that you made one in here i was like wow that is ambitious No, I don't. You know, some people do, but I mean, that's difficult. And and I think they make it with some really special type sure. of sea vegetable or protein. And I, I was really amazed it, when you said that. I was like, oh, when I thought I thought that was what you said, I, I was like, oh, I hadn't seen the shrimp in here. But OK, but now I get what you're saying. We actually have a package of shrimp in the freezer we need to use. So maybe we'll use it on yeah, this. Two. I think there's two shrimp recipes. There's this one and there's a jambalaya. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. We'll have I don't to know which those. one I would recommend. Well, now you said the, so that was the shrimp and grits you said? Yes. What's, what are, I think breakfast fun is really, breakfast food is really fun. And I think people really look forward to breakfast. You know, it's one of those things around the holidays or anything like that. Everyone's like, everyone's thinking about the main course meal, but then breakfast is the thing. People are excited to like have breakfast in the morning. What are some other things that were really fun to bring to life in this chapter? Well, I have never had, had never had biscuits with sausage gravy because it's just not the kind of thing that I grew up with. Sure. But Anna and I actually got together to do the last chapter in the DIY things. She was visiting her parents who live on the East Coast. And so we got together for this and she had pre-baked the biscuits and we made the sausage gravy. I'd never made it before. And I used my DIY sausage, which is really such a project. I, that's the one thing I'm really not that motivated to do because there's just so many, you know, more steps that sure. I'm willing to do. But yeah, that's really good. I mean, it's a Southern specialty. We love them. We love them. Yeah. Oh, well, then you'll like the vegan version. Oh, yes, yes. We'll definitely make those biscuits and gravy. But my mom made things like, you know, matzo balls. She would not have made biscuits and gravy. And so I never experienced it before. But wow, such comfort food. Yeah, comfort food Mm -hmm. and um, really... uh, just really hearty too and filling. We actually, we don't make them as much as we used to. Cause you know, as, as, as we're getting older, we're like, maybe we'll, we'll push back on the biscuits and gravy just every now and then for a special, special treat. Oh, it is just, a, it is a special yeah. treat, but you know, like for example, this two potato and chorizo hash browns, it's a breakfast food, but it's also perfectly good for dinner. I think breakfast for dinner is really good. Like a good scramble oh, yeah. with food and toast when you really just need something quick and, and comforting. I, I really like scrambles for dinner. Actually, I'm probably more likely to have them for dinner than for breakfast. <laughs> I like to have a scramble on hand to sort of like, you can make a taco with them, you can make, you know, oh, yeah. burritos with them, all that sort of stuff like that. Uh, make a breakfast sandwich with them. But yeah, breakfast any time of the day is good for me. Uh, we're moving into chapter nine, which we talked about a lot. It's the DIY plant proteins chapter. It can be intimidating to make your own proteins at home, but this book really breaks it down, I think, for the home cook and makes it very easy. Uh, but for someone just starting out, like I talked about 
about before. That's This is sort of to me when you start to go a little next level perhaps on your vegan journey and cooking and you're like, I want to like DIY this. What's what's a couple recipes for the DIY chapter someone could start out with that aren't, aren't very intimidating? Well, I think that I started out the chapter with two, three... Oh, uh, four different kinds of ground or crumble. Oh, great. They're so easy. So, so easy. In fact, if you look at the first one, we were talking about the tempeh, the tempeh and walnut ground, you know, so few ingredients. It's basically you just mush things up and it's really like cook them up until they sizzle. It gives them all a lot of the flavor. Then we move on to the tempeh and mushroom, mm. chorizo, and there's a teriyaki flavored ground walnut grain and mushroom crumbles Perfect. which is just yeah they're they're just delicious and they're really there's really not a whole lot to them well and it's so say, versatile those crumbles those sort of recipes you, oh, absolutely you use them in the pasta bolognese mm-hmm. we can make sloppy joes out of them and um you know then we move into the little bit more uh, maybe challenging with the seitan type of things i have two different kind of say seitan the traditional beefy type, and then the chicken style seitan cutlets, also very good. Then then we go back to easy with that crazy easy chickpea chicken. You know, I haven't made them in such a long time. It's making me want to make I'm, this. I, it's making me want to make it. I'm definitely going to make that that for sure. I, I saw that a couple of weeks ago, and um, I'm glad you brought it up tonight because that's definitely one I want to return to. Yeah, one, two, three, or five ingredients. We can all do this. Listen, that's in this book. Most of the recipes seem to be very minimal ingredients. With one page instructions, it's very, very. Um, it's it. It looks quick and easy. And the recipes I've done so well, far have been that way. That's the way I like to cook. Me I don't too. Want super long ingredient list. You know, one of the things that makes ingredient lists look long sometimes is those homemade sauces, sure. and that's why I like to give the option. You know, you. Maybe you don't have these eight ingredients on hand. There's not a whole lot to it. Usually you put them in a little bowl and you whisk it together. But sometimes people look at ingredient lists and they were they like, oh, right. not tonight. I don't feel like making this now. So you have the option. I love that. That's great. It's always good to have options and make things easier depending on the mood someone's in. It could get them cooking in no time. You know, it's better to do that than freak them out with a, a long list of ingredients. Uh, and speaking of marinades and sauces and dressings, we're on chapter 10. It's extras. Um, I told you that teriyaki sauce has become a go-to sauce for us to have in our kitchen. This chapter is so useful for recipes in this book and beyond. Are there any sauces in here that you love above and beyond just the uses in this book? Oh, I love the coconut peanut sauce. I probably make that the most out of any Ooh. kind of sauce because you just you know can dip tofu in uh-huh. it put it on noodles i actually i have one in my next book coming out called coco loco peanut sauce it's the same oh, sort of oh. idea i think i agree that that coconut and peanut together luscious and creamy so good right and it's it's just good with so many different kinds of things it's also just really good as a salad dressing mm-hmm. You know, sometimes when you go to a Thai restaurant and you get a salad with your main dish it often comes with a peanut salad dressing, which I think is fairly much identical to a peanut sauce. And it makes lettuce greens and tomatoes and carrots, all those kind of things just taste so good. And then everyone's getting their veggies in. That's what we love sauces in this house. And we love, you know, we love our vegetables too, but it it really is great to have a variety of dressings and sauces. And it's funny, we ended up 
we we make a lot of them ourselves now. So I love books like this that give us the a nice a nice foundation to sort of build dressings out of and sauces and beyond. You it's so good. Do it a couple of times. You see, it's not that difficult. I also, if I have to say, what my second favorite is, it would be a gravy mushroom gravy. Oh yes, 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 yes. Mm. So easy, and then it gives you an excuse to use nutritional yeast uh-huh. which well <laughs> and just makes the gravy taste so good absolutely absolutely i love mm-hmm. that i'll make that mushroom gravy too everything in this book it's so 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 good and i i really want everyone to go out and get it especially if you're interested in plant-powered protein then it's the book for you and nava this brings us to our book brag book brag can you tell us something about this book that you're most proud of oh wow let's see um, I guess I'm proud of the fact that Hannah and I did it in like five months, which was just such an insane wow. deadline. So, and it was just the teamwork. And I, I feel like the publisher, you know, authors often like to complain about their publishers, <laughs> but this one was just a dream to work with. They were so supportive. So, yeah, it's like doing a book like this where a lot of the recipes were quite new for me, things that I had never eaten or never tried. Sure. Because they just weren't, you know, in my, I don't know, some of these really traditional meaty recipes are not things I grew up with. So, yeah, being able to do it in such a short period of time and having it come out, I think, pretty good. I think it came out great. (laughs) And uh, we'll give a shout out that it's Grand Central Publishing. I'm glad it's been a good experience with them in five months. I mean, it's it's different. I've had different time frames for different books. So I'm I'm sure, you know, with as many books as you've had, what's the shortest time amount you've ever had to write a book in? think this the one five months really. yeah i mean that's hard yeah. it's it's uh but the one thing i do like about that is that it also sort of lights a little fire under you and so you're not sitting yeah, on a exactly. bunch of things th- overthinking it you're kind of doing stuff and going okay i love that i love that and like now let's move on to the next thing and then you get a chance to revisit it again as you're sort of editing and going through it all but like you're not really hemming and hawing over things if as where if you have a year or so to write a book you kind of tend to overthink things maybe sometimes so in a way a short little turnaround's a blessing i think sometimes times yeah um you know so we managed it it was really I, I, when i look back at it i think i i just don't know how we did it in such a short <laughs> time but like you said it lights a fire you put other things yeah. aside and it becomes you know really really full-time because generally when you write a cookbook as you know you're not working on it from you know nine to five right. there's a lot of writing to do mm-hmm. but you know you can't there's just so many recipes you can test per day especially you know if you don't have that many eaters right which is I had some you know a lot of company during this member company yeah oh gosh remember, remember that have people over <laughs> <laughs> can't imagine if I'd had to do this now and not being able to have any that was yeah that was one of the things with the the book i have coming out i wrote it during the pandemic and i thankfully i was going into you know i had to work every day so i would recipe test at night and then i would actually take the food into work the next day so i had a small team of like five people um beyond recipe testers i had helping me remotely like testing things and everything but i had people at work trying things and giving me feedback so it was good i had a place to take the food to i was happy are you ready for your rapid fire round of questions Oh, I'll I'll see what I can ah, do. Let's, ah. let's do this. All right, here we go. Favorite season to cook? Oh, at first I thought you said favorite seasoning. Ah. Favorite season. Ah. Um, oh, that's a really great question. I'd say fall because I'm always so glad when summer is over and then there's squashes and apples and things like well, that. Well, and where you are, fall is so beautiful too. It's such a beautiful, great time and I of hate year. summer. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, there you, you go. I get it. I get it. Uh, do you have? Are there any? Do you have? Do you have a late night snack that you love? Late night snack is the next one. No, I don't eat it. Good night. for I you. Yeah. No, I I almost do like a little bit of intermittent fasting. Once I'm finished with dinner, I try to fast for 12, 10, uh, 12 or 14 hours okay. to really clear the system out. That's good. So yeah, no late night snacks. Good for you. You're inspiring me. Uh, baked or fried? Baked. There you go. Cupcake or donut? Oh, gosh. I never have donuts. I'll say cupcake. So cupcake. Okay. Food on a skewer or a tiny spoon? Oh, I love tiny spoons and tiny forks. <laughs> well, wait a second. Do you mean I have to choose between skewers and tiny? Tiny, tiny, c- tiny cutlery or a skewer? Oh, tiny cutlery. Tiny cutlery. No, okay. Tiny, tiny spoon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and this next question, uh, we actually asked you already, but we're going to, David's sitting here. I'm going to test his knowledge and see if he remembers. David, what's her favorite? Seitan, tempeh, or tofu? What's number one on her list? He said tofu, everybody. He got it right. Ding, ding, ding. And in order, it goes tofu, seitan, tempeh, correct? That's correct. There we go. We got you. We were listening. Uh, Mint chocolate or chocolate raspberry? Chocolate raspberry. Ah, you're on Team David. Uh, Favorite kitchen tool? Oh, my gosh. That's such a good one. I don't know. Do I have to choose one? You can choose three. What's your top three kitchen tools? Well, I like my ancient Cuisinart which does so many different things. I love my tofu press. I do too. Maybe I hear you. I use the, um, oh wow, tofu express. Yep. And I, sometimes I show it during my demos and I say, this will outlive me. Uh, it's it's just great. such a good, good tool. Okay. So I chose two. There you go. That's two great. Uh, hot sauce or barbecue sauce? Barbecue sauce. And vegan butter or olive oil? Uh, close, but olive oil. Okay. Favorite ingredient to cook with? <laughs> it's almost like saying which is your favorite recipe or which is your favorite child <laughs> oh why don't we just go you know we'll just go back to tofu i was gonna say we can narrow down and say what's back. your favorite protein to cook with i'm like let's go with tofu then uh breakfast for dinner or dinner for breakfast oh oh it depends i would say once in a blue moon we'll get chinese takeout and i love Buddha's delight with all the vegetables and the tofu. And I absolutely love having that for breakfast the next day. And it drives my husband crazy. I have a friend that I used to, when I was in theater, we were on a show together. And all the time she would be like, I just love Chinese food for breakfast. And everybody was always like, what is she talking about? But now I know she's not alone. That That is, but that is an exception to the rule. Generally, I would say uh, breakfast for dinner, okay. like what we were talking about, the scrambles and things like sure. that. So that's really good. All right. Well, that's it. You did it. <laughs> you did it. Do I win? And what do I win? Yeah. Breakfast for dinner. <laughs> Next time I'm in your area, I'll make you breakfast for dinner. That's what you win. Excellent. <laughs> or if I'm in your area, right. that's what you'll win. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> Nava, as always, you are an absolute delight. I'm so honored you took the time to chat again. Uh, Thank you so much having me on. Yes, of course. Everyone, please go get a copy of Plant Powered Protein, 125 recipes for using today's amazing meat alternatives everywhere books are sold. Nava, please tell everyone where they can find you, your website and social media outlets. Oh, yes. So the veganatlas.com is my food website. Literaryladiesguide.com is my literature website. 
And from the Vegan Atlas, I have all the social media buttons and you just have to press whichever one you want. Great. Perfect. Well, awesome. Thank you so much, Nava. I will talk to you again soon. I hope you have another book in the works. Do you know what you're doing next? Uh, Not a cookbook. Okay. (laughs) Um, No, actually, you know what? I shouldn't say that. I'm revising and updating my very first book. Oh, cool. That I I wrote, Vegetariana, with all the illustrations. I've been doing drawing. It's been a good, you know, project to work on while being sequestered, sure. but it's going to be much more radical and feminist. That's very exciting. I can't wait for that. That's so cool. Congratulations on that. That's neat. Thank you. Well, I hope to talk to you again soon. Okay. You take care. Stay safe. She's a diamond in the rough, that uh, one. Just a gem. Yeah. I love chatting Some with her. Some would say a gem. Some would say a gem. I would say a gem. I love her. Yeah. She's such a, for someone that's been in the game, like, for a long time and like made a lot of books. I love that she's doing like plant powered proteins. Cause I feel like someone who's been in the game for that long, like might have different views about like plant oh, proteins, sure. yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. And, and vital weak gluten and what is that? And yeah. she's kind of like jumped into it. She and embraces it. a wide array of yes. proteins in the book, which I really love. It's which not is, just me. It says here, which I find so interesting. It says here on, you know, the subtitles for using today's amazing meat all uh, meat alternatives, but there's things like she uses beans for the base and sauces and stuff. So it's not just like the about the alternatives you find in the store. She also shows you how to make them on your own, and then using other sort of vegetable proteins too. Yeah, depending on what you have, or, meats, yeah, or what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. You're like, do you want to like go down the road of like making seitan? Do you want to just no! grab it from the store from Upton's? Do you want to? She has you covered. Yeah, she's got you covered. So we love her. Um, so. What do we got this week for Dustin's Dish? It's about that time. What you got for us? Edamame. I love it. Mm-hmm. Edamame? Yes, and I'm mentioning it because we're doing basically a protein episode, and it's an incredible source of protein, so I just wanted to share it with all of you because it has become one of my favorite sources uh, when I am trying to get some protein in. Mm-hmm. We get it frozen, uh, already shelled, and love to toss it onto bowls and salads for a pop of protein and also a nice bright color yes. and a good little crunch you know, texture to your salads there. But it's also fantastic as a healthy snack, and it's full of protein. Like I said, you can roast it for a snack with a little sea salt or maybe be a chili garlic sauce roasted with it uh, until they're nice and crispy. So, so, so tasty. Uh, so play with your plant-based proteins and find out what you like most. Edamame is one that I'm shouting out today. Um, that's something that gets me going. Love it on my salads, like I said. And one thing is certain, there is not a protein deficiency rampant amongst vegans. <laughs> Don't ask it because it's a silly question. No, ultimately. I mean, listen, you know what? Go ahead and ask it. And I'll, yeah, I'll, sure. ha- I'll, I will happily answer because I understand uh, if you are not vegan or you're just going vegan, you may be curious about it. I think what what's it, it's not so much the annoyance that people ask it. It's more so that like, how did we get hooked on that? Is like the well, meat was the is the only protein. Oh yeah, see, I've I think been that's so long that is. I've even forgotten that because I just standard American diet like meat false. equals protein and yeah. like, but like and that's it. Mm-hmm. Like that's where it stops. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, think about beans. They don't think about, beans, don't like, think oh, about lean broccoli protein. People uh, say yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I got you. All right. Well, but. Edamame for me, honey. Edamame. 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 You. Wow. I don't know wow. what I was saying there. Master of puns today, Thanks. I see. Um, pun intended. Uh, so that's right. Uh, so, hey, uh, if you like the pod that we are doing. <laughs> this one. We'd love to hear about it. Uh, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe uh, everywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, iTunes. Yeah. All yeah the wherever. Places. Spotify. Yeah. And we love you. Thanks We're for tuning everywhere. in. We'll be back next week. Until then, keep on cooking. And remember, it's nice to be nice. <laughs>
This has been a Muzzy Cat production. <laughs>